Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. Listening to the Skeptic Wire, episode 81 for the 25th of October 2012. This week's episode is going to be comprised of interviews taken at the Texas Free Thought Convention for 2012 that was held in Austin, Texas this past weekend. And in these interviews, you will hear Kathleen Johnson, the Vice President of American Atheists, Stephen Joseph Arauza, founder of Godless Patriots, Kevin Butler, Region Campus Organizer for Texas of the Secular Student Alliance, Emily Davis, free-thinking musician, and Daryl Ray, author of Sex and God. So, we hope you enjoy it, and we will talk with you next week with a, well, with our usual style podcast. Cheers! All right, I'm sitting here with Kathleen Johnson, the Vice President of American Atheists. She's got a table out here at the Texas Free Thought Convention, and um, I just thought we'd sit down for a couple minutes and talk about what's been going on with the organization. I know there's big national issues like the World Trade Center Cross lawsuit and all sort of things like that. I'm sure you've talked about that a thousand times, but I'm... I'm Kind of the big thing for us is talking about local things like Texas. So, you know, American Atheists, what what are you doing here in Texas? Well, right now, our, our big involvement in Texas is we are bringing our next convention to Austin, Texas. It's going to be the weekend of March 29th, 2013, which is Easter weekend. And we're bringing it to Austin because Austin was the very first home of... Uh, American Atheists is where uh, our founder, Madeline Marie O'Hare, founded American Atheists. This is where American Atheists was right up until the 90s. Uh, it's our 50th anniversary, and we want to bring our 50th anniversary party back to the state of Texas, right where right where our first home was. Sounds like it's going to be a big old party. I've heard some rumblings about some of the big names. and We've got tons of big names coming. We've got entertainment. We've got music. We've got some of the biggest speakers there are. Um, we basically blocked out the entire Hyatt, which is just literally blocks, steps from 6th Street. And we're not going to be competing with other conventions in there. It is our hotel, and it's going to be stuffed top to bottom with, with atheists. Not too many other conventions happen on Easter weekend, I would bet. It's kind of like getting to go to the movies on Thanksgiving or Christmas Day. It is an awesome weekend to book a convention. The rates are great. You can get <laughs> seats on planes if you need to travel someplace to a, to a convention. It, it's an awesome time. Nobody... We, we, we basically own every town we go to when we're uh, holding our Easter weekend conventions. It's, a, it's the best weekend there is. And it, what else do we have to do that weekend? <laughs> like we're going to church. So have a party, have yeah, a convention. Our, our, entire team, our entire team went to the um, Reason Rally and the Atheist Conference last March, and it was a blast. You know, you know, great speakers, a lot of just amazing, fun people. Our last, our last convention in, in, in Des Moines was one of the biggest we've ever had. It was the very first time um, that we actually went to a smaller town, to a smaller smaller market, and it turned out to be hugely, hugely successful. And we brought in a lot of people from that particular state, came to their very first convention, and probably half the people in our in our audience came. And, and we're hoping the same thing, too. We'll bring our convention to, to Austin, and there'll be a lot of people coming from all over, but we want to pack that thing full of Texans. It's, it's great to get people out of their homes, out of just reading the blogs, to actually come to a convention and not only realize they're not alone, but get them energized for the next thing out there. Yeah, coming, coming to a convention changes everything. It really does, because now all of a sudden you're, you, you find out you're interacting with real people and uh, not just a name on a blog or a, you know, an officer at an organization by email or whatever. You're interacting with real people. Those real people are just like you, and and it just it changes everything. Like you said, you just walk out with with more energy and and you finally get past the isolation mm-hmm. and you just really walk out on one of these things feeling like you can really really do something great. I, I felt the same way about the conventions I've gone to. So um, besides the convention, any big happenings over at uh, American Atheists? Well, you know, our biggest suit right now is the cross case going on at the World Trade Center area in New York. It's still in litigation. 
Uh, we don't have anything new to report, but when we do, you everybody will hear about everybody's it. Everybody's going to hear about it. That's right. <laughs> well, that's great, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me, Kathy, and good luck with everything, and I'll, we'll see you in March. All right, great. Thank you. And I'm hit, sitting here with uh, Stephen J. Arauza, who um, I have never met before. I've personally come to s- several different types of conventions, and um, I wanted to talk to you because I've never seen you at a convention before tabling, and you're, you're selling T-shirts for... Uh, you are the founder of Godless Patriots, which I assume is godlesspatriots.com. That's correct. Uh, and you're selling some T-shirts, so why don't you tell us about what uh, what's on these shirts, first of all. All right, Greg. Well... I'd like to start off by telling you that there's a good reason you've never seen me tabling before. I just found out yesterday that they had a table available for me, and I've been scrambling to both help you know, things run smoothly here at the convention because I'm a volunteer, but then also get my own thing going. I wasn't prepared to launch a table at this particular event, but I had to jump at the opportunity, and people have been receiving it very well, so it's been, it's been beyond anything I ever could expect. Well, great. Well, welcome to being an official kind of behind-the-scenes person at a convention. Yeah, now I'm on the other side, and it's great. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd like to talk to you about the design that I have available today. So what I have here are T-shirts for men and women. Uh, the line is intended to promote morality, reason, and patriotism of atheists. And this shirt here was kind of me putting my best foot forward. The shirt that I have available today is what I call my co-branded shirt. Co-branded because there are two brands. You've got the Godless Patriots logo and URL up front. And the front of the shirt reads what's become our kind of slogan, which is for reason and country. That goes along with the goal of my t-shirt line, which is to promote the idea that atheists and non-theists in general are just as American as anyone else. Right. It's not about poking anybody in the eye. It's just saying that we atheists are just as American as everybody else. Exactly. I I like to tell people that my shirts are designed to be assertive but respectful of other Mm -hmm. people's beliefs. And that's why you've got the big red atheist A on there in front of a completely intact respectful American flag. Exactly. Just kind of poking fun at the social stigma that's kind of projected onto atheists. I've also, if you notice, got the Dawkins uh, out campaign A incorporated Mm -hmm. into my URL as well because it's about cohesion of that particular movement. So the front of the shirt has the Godless Patriots logo and URL, so the American flag with the A on it. It reads for reason and country on the top in kind of a stencil um, design. But the back of the shirt is what's important, and that's what sets this particular design apart and what's made me bring this shirt out first for my first appearance as Godless Patriots. This shirt was designed with collaboration from the president of the Military Association of Atheists and Freethinkers, Jason Torpy. He's been very supportive of what I'm trying to do. He and I came up with the idea for Godless Patriots to basically do all the legwork in designing the shirt, producing the shirt, selling the shirt, and I'm licensing their logo to help promote their cause and their organization in hopes of having Godless Patriots co-branded shirts as an additional revenue stream for them. So the back of my shirt features the MAF slogan, which is fighting for the freedoms we defend. That's great. So it's it's a tie-in not just with the average American being patriotic and also being an atheist, but also the, the military patriotism side, that there's a lot of questions of that. There's a lot that comes up in the news almost every day about soldiers and you know prayer ceremonies or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wanted to bring this cause this controversy to, to light so people do consider the fact that we are in the military as well, that we serve our country just as well as anyone else, and that these are people who, for as much as I may feel uncomfortable at home, these are people who are away from home, who are overseas, who are fighting for people who may not respect their beliefs as a valid alternative or as a valid belief system. So uh, on a personal level, what brought you to start doing these shirts? Well, you know, I've always wanted to do a line of t-shirts. I've wanted an atheist shirt for myself for the past, I don't know, I've been out as an atheist for about three or four years now, and I've wanted a shirt that, that would support that. I live in Texas. I'm from Texas. I see so many shirts, you know, with the Ed Hardy type, um, <laughs> with the, the tattoos over the desi- over the top, you know, crosses and things on them. Mm-hmm. And I see I see the Jesus fish everywhere, the ichthus, which is, which is something that's fine, but it it leaves me longing to see something that represents what I believe. And I've been looking for 
I've been trying to find other atheists. I'm here in Austin. This is the one place I'd be more most likely to see an atheist T-shirt. But the ones that I have seen, frankly, have been far too controversial and uh, disparaging, I think, for most people to wear in public. And I feel like I wanted to take a stand to make a shirt not only that I would like to wear, but a shirt that I think would help present more of a cohesive message for our group and, and try to assert this very diverse and fractured you know, group of non-theists in this country. Well, that's one of the strengths of the growing point of our movement is that there's starting to be something for everybody. There's all sorts of different organizations to represent people's different points of view from the non-theistic point of view, and now you're also helping out with the the fashion statements of non-theists to say, you, you can get the snarky, I'm going to poke some religious person in the eye t-shirt, right. but you could also get a just, hey, I'm an American and I'm an atheist and that's not a bad thing. Right. Talk to me about it, those kind of t-shirts. It sounds like that's really where you're going with these shirts. Exactly. I'm looking to reach out and to, to present atheists because all the atheists that I have met have been kind of in institutions of higher learning and things or in Austin. I'm, I'm privileged to meet atheists that are very supportive and very... Uh, valuable members of society and I feel like if we had shirts that opened up exactly like you said we would be open to the conversation and people would be willing to come talk to us I think it's it's flattering that you had mentioned the word fashion and my line in the same <laughs> sentence because I feel like my designs are for shirts that I like to wear but I grew up going to a lot of punk rock shows I mean my own designs are black and red and white <laughs> along those lines but these shirts are supposed to be you know assertive and supportive for the military as well, so I've got, it was important for me to get the shirts in OD green, and military green, and then uh, the women's shirts unfortunately weren't available in that color, so these are a charcoal gray, which I think worked out nicely because two of my biggest supporters in my family have been my uncles, one of them being from the from the Army with your OD green and the other one always wearing a gray Air Force shirt, so it's kind of <laughs> funny the way that worked out. Very patriotic. Yeah. Well, Stephen, I wish you the best of luck. Um, I see some of your information on your table says that you've got a Kickstarter campaign starting up soon. Yes, I'm very excited about my Kickstarter campaign. Um, by the time your listeners hear this, hopefully I'll be up and running. goal of the Kickstarter campaign is to launch more designs to be available on my website, godlesspatriots.com. So the shirts on Kickstarter will be the black and red kind of punk rock shirts that I kind of been hinting at. One of the designs I'm particularly excited about is a take on the Keep Calm and Carry On shirts, which mm -hmm. is a Keep Calm and Embrace Reason shirt, which features the Godless Patriots A on the Union Jack. And Very nice. I hope to continue to put my, my A on as many flags as <laughs> I can. You know, as long as the inspiration's there, um, I will... I will do it, and I'm unafraid to assert my beliefs and stand with others who may be represented by different flags. Cool. Yeah. Well, good luck, uh, Stephen J. Arauza, and uh, so that's godlesspatriots.com. Yes. You're also on some other social media, I think? Oh, I'm all over social media, yeah. You can find Godless Patriots on Facebook, Godless Patriots on Google+, the plural Patriots is important, and I'm particularly active on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter uh, using my username at Godless Patriots. Very nice. All right, thank you. Well, so good much. luck, and uh, we'll have some links on our website. Yeah, I'm looking forward. Uh, to well, it. at the on our show notes. <laughs> right. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I'll be happy to provide you with the Kickstarter link as well. Cool. Good luck. Thank you. I'm sitting here with Kevin Butler, the regional campus organizer for the Secular Student Alliance here in Texas. So, welcome to the Skeptic Wire podcast. Glad to be here. The big thing about uh, Secular Student Alliance is starting campus groups for students. Uh, how's that going here in Texas? Because you think Texas, scary, no one wants to have atheist groups, yeah. but how's it going? Oh, it's Texas is one of the most active areas in the country. Texas actually has more groups than any other state, more than California, more than New York, and you know, a lot more than the liberal areas you might expect but that's probably because we get the most resistance down here. They need that support group. Yeah, absolutely. I believe, the last count, we have 34 groups in Texas, and that's college and high school. Um, we have a ton of high school groups, I think close to 15 at this point. In Texas, it's just a great place to be a secular student. 
So if if a student is feeling like alone in their own high school, because I've heard you talk with, yeah. about some stories where you've heard kids say, I'd, I'd love to start a group, but I just don't feel like I have the support. What do you think they can do? First, contact you guys, but what can they really do to get their own group started up? Yeah, um, we work from we work with students um, from the get go. I mean, we can't go into a school and say, let's start a group now. I mean, we got to wait for a student to be interested in us first. But once this a student contacts a campus organizer or submits a group starting packet request. Um, we'll get working with them, send a nice packet with our group running guide, which for all intents and purposes is a Bible for running groups. It'll tell you from starting the group to making it to passing it on to the next officers. I mean, it's, it's a great resource that we have. So we, we give them the group running guide, print off custom flyers for them, give them thumbtacks so they can post those flyers. And then we give them a customized email address because we, we feel you know, groups themselves should have email addresses as opposed to using like the officers' personal addresses. So we make them an email address and send it off to them um, where they start a group, know the right questions to ask when talking to administrators, finding other officers, finding other members. And all they got to do is just go to our website, secularstudents.org, and click on the Start a Group link. It sounds like a great resource that mainly what the student has to have is the courage to say, I want to start a group, yeah. and to decide that they're going to make that happen. Yeah. Like, w- we hear this all the time, that a student will come up to us and say, you know, I think I'm the only atheist in our school. And most, if not all the time, that's just simply not the case. Uh, it's just people are afraid to come out, and especially in you know really conservative areas of Texas. I mean, we had a group try to form outside of Fort Hood, and you know, it, it was just really intimidating, and it, it's 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 tragic to see that. But you know, we we help students where you know we meet them where they are, and if students don't feel comfortable, then we can help with that. But you know, it, it can be tough sometimes. So I'm sure people ask you all all the time about the horror stories. Is there one example of the most heartwarming story of an SSA? affiliate starting up that you can think of here in Texas. Oh, yeah. Austin High School, right outside of Houston, Stephen F. Austin High School. And they had a really, really tough time trying to get started. Um, Resistance from the principals, teachers, other students? Pretty much at every level, yes. Um, And it... Like okay, we'll we'll let you form a group if you call it a philosophy club or if you know you call it, call it a thinking club. It's like no, we we're an atheist group, you know, or a secular group. Um, so you know, administrators across the country try this, but you know, specifically specifically at Austin High School, you know, try to get the group to rename and then okay, well you can form a group, just don't affiliate with the secular student alliance. They can't do that either. Um, <laughs> and like it, it, they'll they'll try every every trick in the book, but you know, in the end. <laughs> It doesn't come down to this a lot, but we do have a law on our side. You know, we might have to send a couple sternly worded letters. Uh, we haven't had any lawsuits in Texas, as far as I know. But sometimes administrators need, like, okay, yeah, we can actually get in trouble for this if we actually do this, you know. Well, it helps to have an, a group like the SSA yes. behind them to say there are plenty of other high schools and colleges that have had to do this, and you're not going to win this fight if you're going to... Exactly. If you're going to tell us that we can't start this organization. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's something that we've had to deal with a lot, especially at the high school level. But it sounds like this is a good story because they succeeded in the end. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And there's a couple groups in high school, uh, in Texas, at the high school level, trying to start now. I don't want to name names at this moment, but I mean, we've had one particularly public incident where a teacher sent the SSA a letter saying how... An SSA group tried to form here, and we didn't allow it because this is a Christian school. We found out who that teacher was and where he taught. I'm guessing it was a public school. It was a public school, yes. Yeah, private school, that's a different issue. Yeah, so a teacher you know, essentially taunted us, saying, yeah, we're breaking the law, and we don't take that lightly. <laughs> it's nice to have that paper trail from a legal point of view. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, he, he talked about it in writing, so we talked to the administrators, and... Uh, we got the situation resolved, and the group is going to form in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. That's great. Yeah. So the important lesson here is if you're a student, either high school or college, if you want to start a group or make a group stronger, contact the Secular Student Alliance. Absolutely. And they will help you out. What? How, how do they go about contacting either the local Texas organization or the national organization? Well, you can find every resource that we offer at secularstudents.org, and specifically for groups, go to secularstudents.org slash services. Um, but if you want individualized help, you can contact me directly at uh, kevin.butler at secularstudents.org. Or if you want maybe a little more national perspective or you have a really, really pressing issue, you can ask all of our campus organizing team. Send an email to organizers at 
at secularstudents.org. And I assume there's a Facebook page oh, and a Twitter and a Google Plus, the whole thing. Yep. All right, great. I, I believe it's facebook.com slash secularstudents and <laughs> at secularstudents. So, yeah, we, we've got that name. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk with me, Kevin. Well, thank you very much, Greg. All right. It was a pleasure. Have a good convention. All right, you too. All right, I'm sitting down here with Emily Davis, musician and all-around tiny little bag of awesome. And um, <laughs> bag of awesome. <laughs> that works. That's the best I could do at short notice. That's good. We both played for the opening ceremonies for the TFC last night. So uh, welcome to the Skeptic Wire podcast, Emily. I am honored and happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So um, how long have you been doing music? Um, pretty much always, but uh, on a professional level, I guess, for eight years. And and do you specialize in kind of science-y, skeptically, atheistic songs? Or? I don't really make it a... I, I have in more recent years. I've been writing songs for a while, and earlier on they weren't... They're typical teenage love songs, which got really boring really quickly. Um, and had this really big uh, worldview shift when I was 18, 17, 18, so... That just kind of became a, a byproduct of that was through my music, I guess. Um, I I do I don't really have an agenda when I write. Um, I just kind of write what I want, and if I like it, then I play it, and if I don't, then I trash it. But um, I do have a lot of songs that um, reflect my worldview. I know you got one about Sagan that you played last night. Yeah, I have a song um, called Sagan Song because I really I I tried to name that song for forever, and I, I still don't like the name. I wanted it. I wanted it to be obvious what it was about, but I think that did overkill with the title. But I just settled on it. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much a song based on the impressions that Carl Sagan left on me. I just wanted to write a song about him because he he changed my life pretty much. How did you get into into Sagan? Was it Cosmos or was it the book? It was Cosmos, um, and then I read Demon Haunted World. That really, really, I had I had ideas, but they weren't grounded in anything. They were just kind of. You know, you could watch a YouTube video and be like, I know everything, and you don't, you know. <laughs> and so I read his book, and the ideas I already had, they were just they were just solidified, and there was so much more reason, and so much, it's like, I had like, starving little idea that got super fat and fed because of his books and his and uh, his works. So he's, he's probably the one person that's changed my life more than anyone. Definitely um, your, your big kind yeah. of skeptical hero. Definitely, number one, by far. Um, I think I, I think he's I think he's a poet, which I mean that's not that's not any that's not obviously the one reason people usually flock to him. He's brilliant, but you know, as an artist, he he takes science and he makes it he makes it understandable and he makes it beautiful and mind blowing. And you don't really see people do that. I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson is another hero of mine, um, and he's very similar. But I think Carl Sagan, how eloquent he was, and um, even the person he was. Um, just really an, an idol of mine. I agree. It, it, and actually, that, that got him in trouble, his, his eloquence and his wanting to bring science to the masses. Uh, because the, the, the real scientist in particular. Like that. But I agree that Neil deGrasse Tyson, his enthusiasm, I think, is greater than Sagan projected. But I think Sagan is far more eloquent yeah. than Neil deGrasse Tyson's hilarious, though. Yeah. He's hilarious. He has this quote, and I'm really bad at quoting people, but it's something about, like, how, uh, why intelligent design isn't, isn't real, because when you look at a woman's genitalia, it's like an amusement park next to a sewage drain. <laughs> it's something like that, but he's, he just, he, he's, he's hilarious. He's really funny. What's the last thing you wrote that you were really happy with? Actually, it's another kind of, uh, well, I've, I haven't written much this year, which is really frustrating. It's been a very transitional year for me. But um, I had a friend who passed away last August of leukemia. She died um, on her 22nd birthday, and uh, she was she was uh, quite an amazing person. And I, I've always had a very difficult time coping with death. Um, and I wanna whenever I write a song, it's for very selfish reasons. I usually write songs as therapy for myself. And um, it, it wasn't so much about her death, but it was inspired because she died. Um, and it's called Beautiful Tomb. And uh, Pretty much uh, trying to comfort myself, knowing that you know life is finite, but the world keeps going on, and you might be a part of something beautiful in the future. There's like a verse that says, "One day I'll be scattered beneath the canopy of leaves, and that's fine by me. Maybe I'll become a tree that lovers or children can sit underneath." Just trying, like, and it goes on in different uh, metaphors like that. But uh, it's me coping with death, 
and obviously the, the secular viewpoint of life being finite um, comes into play there. So. And because it comes from a place of real emotion from you, you can really communicate that to the listener oh, yeah. through your voice. I think so. I try to. I think I think um, that's what I... I mean, there's a million people out there that do what I do and probably better. But, uh, you know, what makes you individual is the way you can convey a song rather than just being a robot doing it. You're telling a story. And so it's almost kind of like acting. Actors are, you know, causing emotions. And the best way you can do that with music is to also be emotional when you... And I'm not like crying <laughs> when I'm playing guitar, but I'm. <laughs> Might make it difficult. Yeah, but I, I want to show enthusiasm, and, and each song has a different mood, and you, you embrace it with a different mood and you play it out that way. Um, just out of curiosity, as, as a live musician, what has been the best or worst gig you've ever done? This this is one of the best ones, just because I've been treated so well. I, I, I was it was a fun show, but just the experience overall. I, I got to come down here. They paid my my way and let me bring a friend. We have a wonderful hotel. Um, I get to. It's weird. You don't find. You don't have these things in El Paso. I wish we did. I, we're trying to be more open-minded and do more things. But I mean, I've, I never imagined that I'd be sitting in a room with you know 300 atheists, 300 like-minded people. It's it's bizarre, but in a good way, you know. So <laughs> this is this is definitely one of them. Um, I had an awesome show on tour in 2010 at a, at a venue called The Stats. Really cool audience, right up my alley kind of venue. All vampires. Yeah. Well, we'll put some links in the show notes for the episode, but I uh, want you to tell the listeners where they can find your music, where they can download it, where they can buy it, cool. and just check you out in general. Cool. Um, you could uh, stalk me on Facebook, too. I have facebook.com slash edavismusic. Um, you can listen and download. You can listen to my music for free on Bandcamp. Bandcamp is, by the way, side note, the best music website out there. Um, they, they are really legit and if you're a musician out there who wants to get your music heard and sell sold um, Bandcamp is by far the best way to go um, so Bandcamp.com no EmilyDavisMusic.Bandcamp.com is where you can listen to it for free and download it too it's like five bucks for the album I have two albums by the way I have one called Dark Matter and another called No Real Destination and they're both very good thank you I think I mentioned that last time <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you can find me on YouTube I have a channel that I no really longer update but I used to do quite a bit of Bad Religion covers on YouTube Bad Religion is my favorite band and if you're a skeptic who likes to be mentally challenged and have your face melted you should check them out and my YouTube channel is uh, two hamsters one couple two number two hamsters number one couple um <laughs> making fun of something there. I wonder if anyone will catch it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Greg doesn't get it, but I do. Okay, good. Um, what else am I forgetting? You can, if you want a physical copy of my CD, you can go to cdbaby.com slash edavis1, I believe, number one. That's great. One. Well, hopefully we all get to play together again next year, the I would, next I would, TFC. I would love to. Please, please have me back. Hey, how you doing? Good. Good. We're here with Daryl Ray, author of The God Virus and Sex and God, and we've talked to you before on the show, but how's it, how have you been for the last few months since we talked? Well, I'm, uh, I've been traveling constantly, yeah. I think I've had two weekends home in the last 12 or something like that. I, I think we talked about you, uh, talked with you about a week before it went live, before the book came out. Oh, you're right. So, yeah, so what has yeah. really been the response Phenomenal. I, I have turned down 20% of my speaking engagements this year. I've never had that problem before. <laughs> Obviously, one of the most popular things has been the Pastafarian prayer. Oh, I love that yeah. prayer. And everybody else seems to, too. <laughs> I even thought about doing it here at the convention. That No, I think everybody's heard it once, at least. Uh, okay. But but I, you know, but I, I think that... <laughs> I did it in Florida just a couple weeks ago, and nobody had heard it before. So I guess maybe not everybody has. Yeah, every once in a while, keep yeah. it spicy. Yeah, you know, it variety is, is it, spice of life yeah. and all that. But you know what that prayer does is it sets it sets the mood for the talk, and that's what I learned. Because one time I omitted it, the the head of it said, "Well, we don't have enough time asking," so I omitted it. And there was a real difference. And at the end, somebody raised their hand and says, "Why didn't you say the prayer?" <laughs> you can't win. So when you don't say that prayer, people yeah. 
it's like the get group. Stel- they stay too uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like it's such a it's such a crazy prayer. You know, right. You've never heard anything like that. And then because people respond they respond differently after the prayer than before the prayer. Because because when you say it, it's like showing you realize we can all relax and yes, just right right just not worry about sex yeah. and it's it's a normal human thing. Let's just yeah. all have fun with it. Right, right. And that informs the rest of your speech, yeah, exactly. which is all about hey, let's not be so creepy and yeah. t- uptight about sexuality and sex and and gender and the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, right. It's interesting how the, the different points of view you get. It really does. And I, I've, I've been thrilled with that, the way that prayer, it was just a, a fluke. <laughs> I, I, I was I was up late one night before the Reason uh, uh, Reason Fest in Lawrence, Kansas. I'd done my talk and I was thinking, I really need something to get this talk off to a, a bang. You know, to Start really with a joke. Yeah. Off with a bang? Is off that it? Off with a bang, you know. In, Unintentional humor there. Okay. <laughs> so I was thinking, and I thought, well, if, if I was a preacher, I'd open with a prayer. So, oh, a prayer! There you I'm go. A pastorian. I even have. You know, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've got the. Um, Colander? No, oh, okay. I've, no, I've got the pirate hat. Okay. I've got I've got a rope. I've got a stole I had made special with FSM on it. And these days when I say the prayer, I put those on to say the prayer. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> so obviously you you talk about your book Sex and God a yeah. lot yeah. at secular conferences. Um, have you talked about it in other environments? And has there been a different response? I have. I, I had a great opportunity. Went out to Reno in. Uh, it was May. No, I'm sorry. It was middle middle of July, to the um, uh, Mensa, American Mensa. Uh Organization, you know, that's the smart guys, right? Yeah, the smart guys, right? I was the dumbest person in the room, probably. <laughs> I'm not sure I was smart enough to get into Minsa, but uh, there were 1,300 people there, and I'm given this, uh, not this talk. I'm given my sexy evolution talk. It's got duck pornography and stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know that one. You see that one? <laughs> and they went. Can I say apeshit? <laughs> they went we have the explicit shit. tag. Okay. Go ahead. They went apeshit over that thing. And I had two people stand up at the same time at the end of my talk. Like they were going to ask questions. And I and I, I said, well, hold on just a second. I, I'm not ready for questions. And the guy said, oh, I'm not asking a question. He says, that's the best talk I've ever heard on sex. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> that's great. Have so, you had any, like, walkouts or people protest in no, other environments? No, you know, in the God virus, I could tell the the uh, religious spies that were in my talks, because they would get up and leave about the time I started talking about sex. It's about two-thirds of the way through the talk I start talking about sex, and right. that's when the Catholics would leave or the Baptists. But in this talk, I don't think they show up to begin with. <laughs> when, the t- when the name of the talk is Sex and God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I... Uh... Or when you open the talk with a big Playboy on your sc- on the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I did last year, yeah. So, no, I haven't. I really haven't anybody leave. It's well, That's great. That's funny, wonderful yeah. to hear because, yeah. like I said, your message is all about, hey, let's be yeah. let's be rational about sex and sexuality. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's an important message that we as atheists ought to be propagating. We ought to be modeling that ourselves. Maybe all over that. Yeah, exactly. All over that. Right, right. That... Um, that's not a double entendre. That's a, that's just an entendre. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing I don't people and I and I try to illustrate that in Sex and God is the thing is when women are liberated, men get more sex. I mean, it was literally. If you think about that, that's what happened. That's the entire '60s. <laughs> well, I think it's the entire Sweden and Norway and Denmark. We're seeing that same thing there. I mean, the research is showing that. Those guys are happier, and they're happier because they're getting more of it. And the guilt bullshit's not there in those cultures nearly as much. So your message is less guilt, more freedom for women right. means more sex. It means more happiness for both sexes. That's what it means. I, I think that's a message we can all get behind. Yeah. Guilt and shame. Yes, I said get behind. Get over it, Donna. <laughs> Donna, your mind's in the gutter. Thank goodness. <laughs> I love you for it. I love you too, Daryl. And on that note, thank you, Daryl, for joining us My again. Pleasure, Greg. I'm Good too to tired to actually ask any intellectual questions. Well, that's all right. Uh, let us know uh, your website and yeah, Twitter you and all that stuff. Books on uh, ipcpress.com or thegodvirus.net. And uh, I'm on Facebook. Friend me there if you want. And uh, Twitter, I think I'm. 
Dr. D. Ray 132 on Twitter. And I'm pretty sure your books are also on Amazon. Stuff oh, yeah. Like that. Oh, yeah. Very much. And November 7th, The God Virus comes out in audio. Audible. Audible.com. It'll be on awesome. audio. Are you reading it? Yes, I read it. Awesome. And I'm going to do The Sex and God. It'll probably be out in the, in the spring on Audible.com. Great. Yeah. I'm just slow getting that done. All right. Have a rest of a good night. All right. Thanks. Awesome. I'm tired. Guy, bugger it all. <laughs> so that was an interesting day. <laughs> we want to start over again. We're totally starting over. Yes. Uh, we have no choice. I'm going Operator a little bit error. Huh? Operator error. Yeah. Um. So Donna and Greg woke up at 7:45 this morning after going to bed about 2 o'clock in the morning, came over and picked me up at 8.15, and then we went up to Austin, and it is now 11 o'clock, and we are driving home, 11 p.m., and we're driving home from Austin after being at the Texas Freethought Convention all day. Yay! Yay! So, we started out the day at the Texas State Capitol on the front steps, where uh, such luminaries as R. and Raw... Matt Dillahunty, P.Z. Myers, uh, Jessica Alquist, Sean Faircloth, Sean Faircloth, the and, state director of Secular Coalition. Yes, and uh, Richard Dawkins spoke. He was he was the final speaker. Uh, they spoke from ten to twelve, and the Texas State Capitol was open while all of this was going on, so people, tourists, could go in and take a look around. Because as you may or may not know, the Texas State Capitol is one of the large. Well, it is the largest state capital, a capital building in the United States. It's actually bigger than the U.S. Capitol. Yep, and taller. Because Texas decided that it had to be so. So um, I was people watching (laughs) as people went in. And came out from the Capitol and walked away. Well, did you see the Boy Scout troop that walked in? I did see the Boy Scout troop walk in, but... I I, never saw them leave. No. So that's, uh... That's a little startling. Boy Scout troop whatever, we're very sorry, but you're probably dragon food. Yeah. We we hope hope you, you... you enjoy your sweat job. I sweat bet, I bet some uh, state senators are asking, uh, put the lotion in the basket right now. Yes. And we'd like to to thank the state senators who gave us permission to go up to the uh, to talk on the on the steps. I know um, it's uh, one was uh, Letitia Vanderpute from San Antonio. Um, I don't remember the other one. Yes, unfortunately I can't, and I'll put that in later. There was a Boy Scout troop that that went in, and uh, there was one guy that came out while, I don't remember who was speaking, but made sure to cross himself multiple times to show that he was a Christian. <laughs> and, well, and smirking the entire time. Well, you know... I don't know which was worse, the guy crossing himself or the old couple that came out during Richard Dawkins' speech and was, like, just ready to... Oh, no, that was better. I was I was actually hoping that the that The, the little old lady was going to just... Was going to go up and no. start giving a, a Richard hey. Dawkins a piece of her mind. It would have been hilarious. I, I don't know that... I don't know that she would have made it. Well, no, she was pretty close. She probably could have made it and sort of started uh, shaking her finger at him. But uh, her husband or partner or whoever um, kind of talked Brained her out of it. In. Yeah, they, they stopped about three times before uh, finally getting off the steps and out. And I'm pretty sure that Dawkins has a personal security guard, so he probably would have been okay. Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, so after that, we went out to lunch, and then the... Conference started about three o'clock, and let me see. Uh, well, first I, I, was the Magic Sandwich Show. Oh, the Magic Sandwich Show, yes. Uh, Aaron Raw, uh, the YouTuber Concordance, Concordance. and PZ Myers, and 
Uh, that was uh, a pretty good discussion. Uh, they... I kind of wish Concordance had been a little bit more vocal. Yeah. But uh, it happens. Yeah. Uh, Especially when you're going up against Aaron Raw and PZ Myers. But um, I'm glad that they did touch on the subject about respectfully disagreeing, even vehemently, um, but still maintaining respect for the other person, which is something that I think we see particularly uh, recently in politics. Not so much the politicians, I think, but rather the talking heads that surround them. And so, for because Concordance and P.Z. Myers had a... A little bit of a tiff. Yes, a, a kerfuffle. And uh, it was, I think, blown out of proportion. Uh, but it, it was nice to see them talk about it. Was this so? The kerfuffle was before the TFC. Yes, it okay. was uh, like last week, I think. Uh, Concordance put up a YouTube video, uh, wondering and trying to come up with a reason why PZ Myers shut down the comments shut, on it. Shut down comments on his YouTube channel. Yes, and it, and the reason really is because uh, there's a difference of usage of YouTube. Because uh, Concordance is a, a YouTube uh, partner, I think. Or, or if he's not a partner, but he, he did, he's a YouTuber. And PZ Myers is not. He's a blogger. And there, there are two different ways to for, of outreach. And Concordance didn't understand that about PZ Myers. So, uh, that was I thought that was a, a pretty good yeah. uh, discussion. And then... What else happened next? Uh, the debate. Oh, the debate. Matt Dillahunty. The debate. Matt Dillahunty and... Versus Christine... Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, even uh, Nick Lee messed up her name. Kerstekinen uh, or something. Why don't you add that later on in the show? Yeah. Yeah, we'll add that. Uh, and... The, the topic of the debate was... Um, should secularists support or be should, against abortion? Yeah. Should they, it was actually support abortion. And Matt Dillahunty was for the mo uh, motion and Christine was against the motion. Now, and, I, I talked to Matt earlier before he did the debate and he said that this is not really something that he's ever personally debated before. Yeah. And it's not something that, that you probably would unless you're really in, into to that culture. And it, uh, we learned later that she actually had never debated this before. This was her first debate. Um, I, I would honestly say that, yeah, Matt Dillahunty won it hands down. Uh, absolutely. He, he had the clearer expression of, of the ideas. And I think he had a, uh, a better concept of of the moral and ethics behind it. Because I, I felt that really all that Christine had was uh, a misrepresentation of the science and that a fetus is a human and right. that killing humans is bad. And I think we all three here in... In fact, I think the great majority of people agree that abortion... Is that how, how can I put this? Uh, nobody likes abortion. Nobody, nobody likes exactly. But but abortion is, isn't good. But it's a necessary evil. Yes. It, yeah, and not even evil. It's necessary. Yes. At the at the moment, it's necessary. And so the real question we should be asking is how do we how do we stop having abortions? I'm under the opinion that you will always have to have abortions. Um, only because, and not, not the elective type of abortions, because hopefully we can get to a point where that is completely unnecessary. Um, but there are times when an abortion is absolutely necessary to save... Save the life of the life mother. Of the mother, or, or, and, or to... Or something has gone wrong. A big genetic defect, something yes. like that. Yeah. Right. If you have a child who is, say, 
only going to survive a few hours, a few days outside the womb and be in terrible pain. Yeah. To me, that's 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 reason enough. Right. Um. You know the the argument of well, it's a person and we don't put persons down doesn't work. You can never have that black and white of an answer to this kind of issue where sometimes it's just going to be necessary. Yeah, and and the the whole uh, killing humans is bad is it's it's a great ideal, but we kill people all the time. Right. In adult humans, not not even those poor defenseless um, non-formed uh, fetal blastocysts. My, my, my issue with her whole talk was she had an entirely slippery slope argument. The in, Her entire argument was that way. Because it was always this is just bad. There was never well, she inching quit- close to that you know that line of you have an argument to you've argued into the absurd but for her it wasn't an absurd argument yeah and I think there's also um, some equivocation on on the use of the term human and what is human because she, she went down to a genetic level um, and said that once a, a sperm meets an egg then it's that is a human, human. But and genetically, okay. You can't, okay, when a sperm meets an egg, whether it is human, dog, cat, cow, you cannot, physically looking at it, cannot tell two cells together if it's human, dog, cat, cow. But the, her argument was is that this is human. Right. At that thing, if you took dog sperm and dog egg and human sperm and human egg and put them in two Petri dishes and mislabeled them or took the labels off and handed them to a person, how would they tell? There is something that there are people who are secular but are against abortion. Intellectually, I can understand that. But a lot of times, the idea, like you're saying, where... Once the sperm and an egg combine, that's a human and that's a special thing, is still holding on to that religious idea of there's something miraculous about humanity that it's above everything else. Right. Humans, humans are special in the. Humans were given dominion above right. all, all the flora. Not, not even the dominion thing, just that they're special and that there's a qualitative difference between an egg of a human and an egg of a chicken. And one is better than the other because we are human. And and that's sometimes what I worry about, the people who say they're pro-life but secular, that they're still holding on to some of those ideas from when they were religious. Yeah. So, so that, that uh, debate took an hour and a half, and I thought it was well worth the hour and a half. And we solved it in five minutes. What did they do? <laughs> well, I mean... I think were... it's important to talk about that. Yes, so. definitely. Right. Because, I mean, the issues were brought up of what do you do in the cases of stem cell research? What do you do in the cases of you have gone through in vitro fertilization and you have these extra embryos, these extra blastocytes that have not, what, I mean, what do you do with them? Yeah. You know, but by her argument was if you destroy them, throw your ass in jail. Yeah. Sorry, I have a huge issue with that. These are these are creatures that would not survive on their own. Yeah. So um uh, we can't we can't put this up because we don't have the rights to it as far as I know. Um but we, we do have the whole thing recorded. So if you want to just let me know we can get to you. Um but we can't post it unless we get permission from every, all the parties involved. Um, so we won't do that. So next, what was after that? Um, didn't we go to dinner? We may have gone to dinner after that. But yeah, you know, talk about abortion, go eat. <laughs> <laughs> go eat barbecue. <laughs> That's right. <what it> <laughs> yeah, so we went out and, and had... Uh, 
had dinner with our former podcaster, David. David and uh, uh, guest Dr. Allie. Yeah, Dr. Allie. And had some beers and then went back. And well, then... some of us had some beers. Yeah, well, that's right. Greg did not. And good thing he's driving. Okay. Uh, and so when we went back then... Oh, well, we did some interviews, of course, which we will put up. Well, you've already heard the interviews. Or maybe you haven't. I don't know. I don't know what order this is going to be in. Yeah. But so we... while Gary and Donna were in listening to the presentations... You mean recording them? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. While we were working... Yeah. Craig was working as well. Yes. And thank you. Yep. And... And then uh, last last was I, I went in to watch um, uh, PZ Myers give the the final speech of the day, which is uh, mainly about atheism plus, um, which is an interesting idea um, about expanding atheism to be more than just the lack of a belief in God, um, but also including. Issues so, like separation of church and state, well, feminism. Yeah, yeah well, well uh, church and state is also kind of a, an atheist kind of thing because it's a lack of of, of of God kind of thing. Well, but it's more um, the social issues. But we're talking about, yeah, uh, humanism, uh, environmentalism, uh, uh, human rights, and uh, feminism. And, uh, amongst a whole bunch of it. Yeah, it's, it's social. Uh, and it's social and scientific. Social justice. Yeah, social justice. And scientific and, and good stewardship and, and all of that. Uh, and I think I think that's... I don't know yet on, on where I... I like the idea, but the fact is that I think a lot of atheists believe that because they're atheists, they, they may think they're smarter and that everybody kind of thinks the same way that they do about religion. Whereas, having met atheists um, who are atheists simply because they've never had any religious training, and we've talked about this many times, they're, they're not any smarter or dumber than anybody else. <laughs> well, they're not more critical thinking and some of them go deep in the woo. And so, um, I don't know. Uh, atheist to me has always just been, it's all about branding, right? And yeah. Atheism Plus, I think, could be a very good brand uh, because it, it, it can work very well to say, oh, well, I'm an atheist, then they'll also know that, oh, well, you're for social justice. You can also say, I'm an atheist and a humanist and a secularist, which is what I already do, uh, and feminist. But it'd be nice to just say, yes, I'm an atheist, and have all of that just wrapped up in that, you know, so you don't have to have this long list. <laughs> right, a simple label. Yeah. So, and that was, that was our day. <laughs> well, sometimes at these conventions, you really just can't go to everything. Right. Yeah. Especially but, when they don't have any built-in... Well, this was a one-day conference with no time except for lunch to go eat. Right. And that's... You know, it is not to fault the TFC. They, they packed a lot of good into a very small amount of time. Because, I mean, we saw a lot of speeches that were different from the ones at the Reason Rally... That, or maybe not necessarily different, but more polished. Um, prime example was Jessica Alquist. She got up there and truly did speak from the heart and did a much better job than she did at the Reason Rally. Yeah. You know. She's gotten a lot better and she's far more comfortable regardless of how she claims she's shy. <laughs> <laughs> Which I completely understand. But she's an excellent speaker. She, she, I, I think, uh, I don't know if she's watched how other people give speeches or whether she's just naturally a good speaker. Well, I think that she's also getting more comfortable with the role. Yeah. I mean, she's kind of been on a world whirlwind tour of speaking engagements. Yeah, but um, 
that when I say she's a good speaker, she speaks slowly and clearly. Um, and there's a, some speakers that tend to speak very fast and to run their words together. And we three are all very guilty of doing that. Yes. Um, and she doesn't do that. And, or at least she didn't this time. And I, that's, that's the sign of a good speaker. Well, amongst other things, but also the things she's done. So it's like, probably a combination of practice, but also seeing all these other speakers on the atheist skeptical circuit and seeing how they talk and learning by example as well. Could be. Which is a good thing because it means that the next generation of this movement, uh, you know, with a big M, are getting the skills they need to carry on the battle to the next generation and all sorts of... Speaking about a big movement. You have to well, go to the bathroom? <laughs> well, you know, in addition, she's had a lot of people who've come up to her and said, hey, we respect you. Oh my God, I never would have had the courage to do that at at 16. And she, I mean, she's had the ability to to speak with you know the big names in the movement, the PZ Myers, the Richard Dawkins, you know Tim Minchin, these people that all of us have a tremendous amount of respect for, have also probably encouraged her by saying, "Wow, I'm really impressed with you," and I'm sure that. That little bit of an ego boost after everything that she went through at West Cranston High was, you know, also kind of helped with her speaking and, you know. And just self-confidence in general. Yeah. So, Greg, what was your favorite part of the conference? I guess I have to say, I mean, I've talked on and on about going to these conferences and stuff. To me, it's always the interpersonal level of meeting other people from different areas, different states, different regions, and just talking about your experiences, um, getting to know just some stranger you met the, for the first time, and you find out what what they went through to eventually come to free thought and make it all the way to a conference. Because there are plenty of people who are atheists who just may even be involved in that they listen to podcasts or read blogs or whatever. They may write their own blog, but it takes a lot sometimes to actually get your butt out to a conference and be that involved and and to hear this, the journey of those people go through. But also on a personal level, because we keep coming to these conferences, we're starting to get to know a lot of the regulars and becoming friends with them. So we find out... Some interesting stories about our uh, fellow <laughs> podcasters, vidcasters, bloggers, speakers, the whole kind of fun thing. So it's its a good time for me personally. What was the part you liked the least? That the, the previous two Texas Freethought conventions had been a full three-day weekend of conference. And this, for all intents and purposes, was a one-day thing. I hope that next year's Texas Freethought Convention, which we're going to hopefully talk to Paul Mitchell either this week or next week, and get, he's the organizer of the Texas Freethought Convention, and get uh, find out more about next year, but I'm hoping next year we'll be back to a full weekend of stuff, and I, I, I like the fact that Texas Freethought Convention doesn't have to be all about just speakers, that it can be more than that. Last year they tried to do a film festival along with the speakers, that was nice. Uh, blood drives, the whole thing, more of the social involvement. I'd love to have that, as well as plenty of speakers in a full three-day conference to show everybody else in Texas that we're atheists and we're here to stay and we're a movement to be paid attention to. Gary, what was your favorite part? Well, my favorite part was actually uh, playing on Friday night. <laughs> and. Uh, I, well, sitting down talking with uh, uh, Emily Davis, you know, it's, it's it's nice to talk to another skeptical, freethinkery musician type who's not Greg. <laughs> <laughs> and and least favorite? Um, I don't have time to think about this. I think because it was a one day thing that they didn't 
um, build in a little bit of time to have like a dinner type of thing. So you, you're kind of forced to miss uh, the uh, a talk. More, more group social events where everybody doesn't have to be sitting there quiet listening to a speaker. Yeah. Everybody all in the same ballroom having dinner together or a reception or something even. Yeah, a reception w would be nice. Now, they, they, of course, went on a pub crawl, but... Uh, it's hard uh, to get everybody night. in on that. It is, and, and, it's, and it's difficult to even talk because you're in bars and then you, you wake up with no voice. Right, and in addition, I've got to be at work in a couple of hours, so... So that'll be your relief here. What about you, Donna? Um, you know, Favorite. I don't really, you know, I hate to say this, that I don't really have a favorite. There were very, there were a lot of aspects that I enjoyed quite a bit. I loved getting to see Sean Faircloth again. Um, haven't seen him since the Reason Rally. Um, I think that he is always a tremendously motivational speaker. He really did rally the atheist troops. You know, get in there, be active, you know, try out for city dog catcher you know there's you know there's only one way that atheists are going to be out there and be known and break the stigma and that is to get out there you know i i thought that he gave a, a great speech um nice to see richard dawkins kind of casual i think that was the most casual i have ever seen him because <laughs> like there was no tie I was like, who is this? This is not Richard Dawkins. Nice to see our two lone protesters. Oh, yeah, the protesters. Well, it was, it was nice that we had at least a couple protesters, but it's unfortunate that we had this nice, pretty big rally for a state organization here on Texas, and there wasn't any press there. We didn't, you know, no local no, TV. No major press. The, the Your News Network, which is an online one, was there. Yeah, but and, and I mean, there was, even, there was also uh, a local college papers were there as well. Yeah, but you know, the local CBS station or anything like our local Fox station, anything. Yeah, yeah, just we, to get some coverage. And like I said, it was good to see people that I had met at previous conferences. When I walked by, were hey, how's everything going? Hey, oh look, wow, your hair grew out. Oh my God, you. <laughs> really do have hair and, and you know um, getting to work with and know Aaron Raw better that was uh, I truly enjoyed him and his entire family you know so um, what was your worst thing to, the to not having everything the <laughs> not having those breaks built in yeah really to me that was that was detrimental because I would have loved to have seen brother Richard talk um Daryl Ray talk, you know, but you know, food kind of necessity. You know what? And one other thing that I want to say about the debate was, despite the fact that tempers were starting to flare, it was very respectful. I mean, I know that she said a couple of things that I vehemently, vehemently disagreed with, but there was always this air of respect you know um, yes the vast majority of the crowd was on Matt Dillahunty's side uh, and it, it seemed like there were a few uh, pro-life atheists no, secular pro-life I hate that anti-choice anti-abortion yeah let's call it anti-abortion in, in the crowd but for the most part, when the crowd was asking the questions, they were very respectful of her position. They were very respectful of Matt's position. And, you know, there was only the one F-bomb dropped, which I kind of thought was hilarious. And Matt felt actually really bad about it. He told me afterwards, he was like, I didn't mean to drop the damn F-bomb. <laughs> but it was funny. It was. Um... So, you know, yeah, like I said, it was, you know, great. And 
while you were in with PZ Myers, uh, Greg and I and Blair Scott and Aaron Raw and um, uh, Kathleen Johnson, Mary um, a bunch of the people from uh, Dogma Debate up in Dallas. Right. We all sat there and just bullshitted, talked, got to know each other even better. And that's what this conference is really all about. And that's why I think even though it was small, it was primarily Texas. And so, you know, we got to see that there's a, there's a real good group from Dallas that came down. There's a big group from Houston that came over. And actually a sizable group from San Antonio. Plenty of people from San Antonio we'd never met before. Yeah. yeah. Fort Hood, uh, El Paso, uh, Laredo, the Valley. It was really cool that all of these people came up and um, and participated. And to see that, once again, we're not alone. Yeah, it was like, yeah, like it was that. great. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad that we went. I had debated for a long time about going just because of my busy schedule and everything else. And I'm I'm really glad that I did. Say that tomorrow after you haven't gotten some sleep after you worked all day. Uh, well, we're not going there. So, well, right now, that's how I feel. So, so anyway, um, we hope so that... So, get your people... butt out to a conference is really what we're saying. Yeah, be active. You, yeah. You will have a good time. You will meet new people. You will make friends. And, and friends more than just, oh, look, we're friends on Facebook. You know, you'll actually meet some of those people that are on your Facebook for real. You'll get to meet the skeptic wire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and everybody wants to meet us. Oh, and it was it was a real pleasure seeing um, Jordan again and his girlfriend Emily. I had to give them a little shout out. They're doing Lake from up in Austin. Lake, who's been on some of our um, live shows. So it's good seeing all of you. Uh, and those who we saw. And speaking with you, those who uh, got a chance to speak to, and, and we hope to see you soon. For those of us, for those of you who are listening to this for the first time because we talked to you at the conference and you wanted to check us out, we don't usually talk from the middle of a car. <laughs> so, you know, give us a chance in another couple episodes when we're in studio. That's a little bit, a little bit more organized. Go check out a couple of the back episodes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, thanks very much. We'll talk with you next week. Bye! Bye! Oh my god, we're gonna crash! The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Yeah, trying to think of something. Uh, this part's gonna be edited, <laughs> but that part might not be. <laughs> uh, I'm a stupid podcaster. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I make us all sound.